Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm Paul, and joining me today is filmmaker Jamie Buckner of Derby City Productions, and he's here to talk about his new film, Split. However, it may not be the split that you are thinking of. Jamie, welcome to our show. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. Appreciate it. Yep. So, before we begin talking about the film, could you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to become a filmmaker? Oh, goodness, that is a, that is a big question. I would say I've always been a very big movie fan. It, it didn't dawn on me until trying to figure out what sort of major to do in college that it dawned on me that it could actually be a profession and sort of more of a career path than just something I was really into, which I didn't even realize how into it I was until I, I, I started sort of putting together the pieces of the fact that I wanted to do it for a living. I, so yeah, like I said, I, I've been watching movies in love with movies my whole life, you know, all the way back to like the 80s and is really sort of the 80s and 90s are really like my my go-to era and then of course as you get into it like I started falling really in love with like 70s auteur cinema and things like that um but yeah I went to college uh I first was a music major decided that that wasn't quite for me it was a little too mathematical a little too it was more of a hobby that I wanted to get into and the sort of mechanics and the, the actual sort of science and math of it I wasn't so terribly worried about learning and then I was an art major and that was sort of the other direction where it was almost too uh I I just didn't like being critiqued on on whether or not you know people enjoyed what my ideas of art were and weren't and you know I wanted to learn more technique and that wasn't really the program that I I found myself in and I started putting together that sort of like all of these things that I'd always wanted to do. I wanted to be an architect for a short amount of time. And, you know, I wanted to draw comics for a while and then music I was into and, you know, writing. I always really loved from like the second grade. I was in like a little young authors contest that I really took to. And so I just sort of slowly started putting together, wait, what is the one thing that I'm really into that sort of utilizes all of these other things, all of these other creative outlets that I sort of, enjoy separately but all come together in this in this one uh, discipline and i you know film was the answer and so i started to really pursue that very cool yeah yeah it was i sort of stumbled into it and then even when i got to college i didn't even go anywhere with a film program i I was in a radio tv communications program uh and and i was a theater minor and i just took as many sort of like film studies classes as i could and sort of pieced it together from there and you know it's 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 done me quite well so yeah that's that's sort of the the background of what what got me into it and uh and sort of kickstarted the whole thing nice you kind of have a little bit of experience with like every aspect of filmmaking so kind of all like comes together really well yeah to a degree like you know like again music plays such a huge portion and i'm I'm just a always been a huge music fan and you know i tinker around i play a little you know guitar i started with a bass guitar and learned you know, regular guitar from there. Started with electric, moved to acoustic. I picked up a banjo a few years back, and, and you know, it took a couple of piano lessons. It's between that and then just art in general, and being interested in photography and framing. But then also the comics love really kind of helps out in so many ways with storyboarding and things like that. Interest in architecture and, and, and the sort of the more, you know, science and math of things like that without being heavily involved, but that really helps you out with understanding the major aspects of like set design and uh, camera geography and things like that. 
so yeah, I mean that's that's just sort of it. It was just it was like, well, <laughs> why don't I just take all these things that I'm mildly interested in and do something where I can remain mildly interested in them, but then surround myself with people that are really into and really talented with those particular aspects separately. I've said this a bunch of times. I I, I find that my only real skill that I'll own up to having as a filmmaker is just knowing how to surround myself with people that are smarter than me and better than me at other things that all come together to make me look good. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's sort of, that's the nuts and bolts of it, I think. So could you tell me, tell us a little bit about, um, Derby City Productions? Uh, what kind of films do you guys make and, uh, how did you guys get started in the first place? Derby City Productions is really started actually as just myself and some friends back home in Actually, I guess it started in Cincinnati. I went to school right outside Cincinnati uh, at Northern Kentucky University. And um, it spilled into some friends that were uh, Louisville-based as well. Um, And we started out as one of those uh, 48-hour film project teams. I just sort of was like, all right, let's just see. I think those projects are really good for young filmmakers because they sort of force you to make something over the course of a weekend. Um, and it's probably going to be crap like most of ours were, uh, you know, especially the first year, but it's laughable and I'm really glad that we did it. Um, but it's one of those things where like creatively it's so helpful to sort of force yourself to do something in such a short period of time. So that's where it started. We did a few of those a few years. Uh, then I, you know, that same group, we started doing music videos for friends, bands, and so on and so forth. I just started writing scripts. And really, it's just sort of this collective that just grows and grows that's really just centered around mostly Kentucky-based projects, but not exclusively. You know, like, for example, Derby City Productions. Uh, the thing you'll see soonest from us now that Split's been released is uh, I'm doing a project, a documentary called Call Us Ishmael with my uh, friend. He's a professor up at Oakland University in Michigan. It's a documentary it's a Moby Dick documentary, basically, uh, but it's really kind of like Moby, about Moby Dick fans and sort of the the cultural permeance that that particular book has had. You know, like, why do we all know the nuts and bolts of that particular story, even if we haven't read the book? It, you know, this, this book that was written back in the 1800s, you know, you say white whale to a fifth grader, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Moby Dick, you know, just because it's just everywhere. So obviously that's not Kentucky-based. It's just an interesting project that uh, myself and a friend that you know I wanted to collaborate with uh, are working on. So Derby City Productions isn't really like a hard, fast thing. It's more of just a collective of like-minded individuals uh, that just kind of you know do whichever project seems interesting you know down the line. And really the only the only through line is is myself and and you know good people and surrounding myself with those that have similar ideas and similar tastes and just want to do these fun projects. So could you tell us a little bit about your film Split? What's the general plot and idea behind the film? Yeah, my my our split, I should say, is uh, not the split from our friend M. Night Shyamalan. So we are a, the world's first romantic bowling comedy. Um, I wanted to make a romantic comedy, romantic comedy, because I've just always enjoyed that genre. And I think it's something that is very, you know, sort of comfort food for a lot of people, myself included. And I just wanted to do a movie that centered on this subculture that I grew up in and have been treated very well by. And it's just such a great group of people, bowlers in the bowling community and bowling proprietors. And uh, I just wanted to make a bowling movie and I wanted to make a romantic comedy and figured we'd do it all at the same time. And it's, uh, 
it's a, basically about a girl who's about to turn 30 years old, uh, Cassie, who reads a statistic in the local newspaper that uh, she will be technically considered, you know, by her own high standards and by the statistic, uh, below average if she doesn't get married by the time she turns 30. She's about to turn 30 in less than a month. Uh, she's always been because of her father being a professional bowler and sort of the world that she grew up in. Uh, she's always just been into guys that bowl, so she decides that she's going to meet and marry a decent bowler by the time she turns 30. So, you know, that's basically the general through line for the movie, and as they say, hijinks, you know, hilarity ensues. So that's basically... You can't beat that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Rombocom, we like to call it. Nice. So as you kind of mentioned before, there was a bit of confusion with your film since it had the same name as a film by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, how did that affect your film? And are there any interesting stories involving that confusion? Our movie came out uh, a little bit before uh, Mr. Shyamalan's uh, project. And yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. We obviously received a fairly huge uptick in interest and popularity online uh we were in some sort of torrent atmosphere or hacked amazon situation that i don't quite understand apparently it's come to my attention just via the internet and, and various reactions that our split was categorized as that split so if you clicked on and thought you were seeing an m night Shyamalan movie you would actually be presented with our movie, and that led to some some fairly confused uh, viewers uh, down the line. We had one, I wish I had it in front of me, this guy who had uh, partaken in some, uh, you know, we can only presume possibly for medicinal purposes, I'm not sure, uh, some sort of herbal herbal, uh, you know, recreation activity. And he started thinking, watching what he thought was some sort of multiple personality serial murder kidnapper type movie and somehow got past the opening credits where it said my name instead of M. Night Shyamalan's and just continued and made it very far into the movie before he was very confused why no one had been kidnapped and no scary things had happened just yet. So there's been several instances of that. And it's actually... It's very. I feel. I feel bad, obviously, um, for these things that happen. But it's. It's very funny, and it's uh, our lead actor, uh, Chris Gedig, actually, uh, lead male actor, I should say. Uh, Chris Gedig emailed me the other day about his IMDb star meter, and he's just like, "We are. Th I am through the roof, man. This is terrific." <laughs> so yeah, there's been. It, you know, it's been nothing but positive. It's. It's. You know, it, there have been some confused people, um, but the exposure has been great. I've had, it's so funny, I've had so many people, I, I can't, you guys came out first, you could sue them over the title, and I'm like, look, it's a really popular word, and it's been a fun experience, I'm not, you know, I love M. Night Shyamalan, I love, you know, he's he's had ups and downs like any other filmmaker, but like, you know, I still, I, I think Unbreakable is one of my favorite movies of all time, you know, like, Signs is one of the best uh, suspense movies that we've seen in our generation, and possibly any generation, so, you know, like, I, I love and also Jason Blum and Blumhouse. I, you know, I worked with him, saw him out at Sundance, and actually thanked him for making a hugely popular movie called Split, and how well it was gonna, how well it was treating us. So, um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a roller coaster. It's been pretty funny. Um, but yeah, like I like I said, it's I knew, I want to say a couple years ago, 
probably once they when they first started shooting i think they shot in pittsburgh actually i think where you guys are i think they shot the split movie in pittsburgh and I, when i first heard about it we were still you know we're an indie movie it took our post process was you know was lengthy but uh i think we were in the middle of post still and they're like yeah i think Night Shyamalan's doing a movie uh called split too i was like get out of here that's ridiculous why would that and then i saw the trailer and was like okay all right well that's interesting <laughs> but yeah it's been a lot of fun it's been very uh it's the exposure that we've gotten from that has been very fun but it's it's also been this is a lot of a, a good number of hilarious uh stories you know the internet's a funny place and uh and we've we've definitely we've definitely been the benefactor of that. Oh, that's that is really funny. I guess the twist in um, M Night Shyamalan's latest movie was that it was actually about bowling the whole time. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly. That's what I kept telling people when I, the, when we first started getting tweets and things. I was like, I know, guys, right? What a twist! M Night Shyamalan actually made a bowling movie. Who knew? Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 been uh, good times. We've actually had a number of people too. It's funny because their Twitter handle is just at Split Movie, and we're Split the Movie. So we, the, I've gotten a number of tweets being like, "Oh man, I really enjoyed the, the uh, whatever." It's I was really scared by such and such movie, and I just we just you know our team's just been responding to them and and trying to have a good time with them. It's just really really confusing people, but. It's great because there's there's actually been a number of people that have been turned on to our movie because of that movie and starting to watch it by mistake, and then telling us like, oh, watch this movie by surprise, thinking I was watching this other like horror movie, but this was really cute and I really enjoyed it. So that's been really nice. I wonder if anybody's like, since you mentioned that one guy who um, didn't realize he wasn't watching the other movie, if somebody's watched it like and just thought it was about schizophrenia it's like oh well you see the bowling ball represents you know the oh i hope so mind. <laughs> like, oh i really hope so i really hope that there's someone who has watched our movie all the way through and still thinks they watched an m night Shyamalan movie and really dissected it as such i would nothing would make me happier that would be amazing i would love to read like a thesis paper based on that theory <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> yeah m night Shyamalan's greatest film of all time is an allegory for you know mental illness in the form of a bowling film uh yeah it, it's it's been wild man I, it wouldn't surprise me i mean that's the thing too that's that's art right you know it's it's very funny it, who knows what people can read into things but yeah that's uh that'd be, that'd be pretty funny have you thought about making a sequel to your version of split where the characters from m night Shyamalan's version uh, decide to go bowling or um like you know start their own bowling league Absolutely. We should totally do that. Mr. Shyamalan, if you're listening, I am 100% open to the opportunity of doing a split two <laughs> electric boogaloo, whatever whatever it would be. Uh, absolutely. 100%. That, <laughs> I actually, well, funny enough, I haven't seen that split. I really want to. I have not seen the M. Night movie. Um, I unfortunately, because I'm terrible about spoilers, have already spoiled the twist ending for myself, and actually that has made me want to see it even more. Um, but uh, oh yeah, to a sequel in which the uh, the M Night characters uh, get into a bowling league, well, absolutely, let's do it. I would definitely watch that. I feel like a part horror, part romantic comedy, part like just in general bowling. Absolutely. Listen, TV's where it's at now, right? We could just do like alternating episodes. We <laughs> so what qualities do you think make a great film? And could you give us some examples of films that you would consider great? Oh, 
this is funny. I actually I got this question. A an a, an assistant director friend of mine posed this question uh, online the other day. Oh, I forget what movie she used as the example. Um, but it was the question was basically, what movies would you consider perfect? And my three that I consider perfect. If anybody who's seen our movie knows that I'm a very big fan of The Big Lebowski, and I think that there are a number of things about it that are absolutely flawless. Um, I think that Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I think that there's very little wrong with it. Um, plenty of continuity mistakes, but that's, you know, it's a Scorsese thing. You barely notice them until the hundredth time. Um, so what else? Oh, and Dazed and Confused is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think every time I watch it, it just seems new again. And just I love every single minute of it. Um, Jaws is another one. You know, so those are those are four that I would consider just classic all time. Basically nothing wrong with the movies. Um, and what I guess what I would consider is so great about those and any movie that I would put in that category, because I'm sure I'll get done here and be like, oh, I should have said this, or oh, I should have... I mean, any film fan does that, right? You know, Pretty much. And being, being, being forced to name your, like, one favorite movie or what you think is the one best movie is, is you know, like, that's the true hell for any true, like, cinema fan. Um, I, it's, it's just watchability, I think, really. It just the fact that I can see any of those four movies, and, you know, and I, you know I've cut the cord in my, in my place, so, like, I, it's just this sort of uh, scenario doesn't really work anymore. But back when you would, when I would have like a cable box and I'd just be flipping through channels, any of those movies where I can just, no matter when it's on, no matter what's going on, if I'm going to stop on that and I have to finish it, no matter what point it's in, I just have to stop everything and finish watching. Like if, I, if Jaws comes on, if Jaws was on TBS and I had a hundred things to do the rest of the day, odds are I'm just going to sit there and finish watching Jaws, regardless what happened. Uh, same with Daisy Confused, same with Goodfellas, you know, Goodfellas being the worst of them because it's obviously the longest. But as one of those where you used to have to flip the DVD or, like, get your second VHS tape out, dating myself with that. But, um, but so I think that just pure watchability, uh, you know, on top of a million other things, you know, like you look at the cinematography in any of those movies, just think about the writing with any of those movies and how natural all the dialogue is. And it, it, those are, those are movies that, you know, if you'd asked me when I was a kid or when I had first watched them, or maybe like after the first say dozen viewings of any of those, and just really pressed me, obviously those are movies, but to me, those are things that really happened. Like this shark really did attack Amity. You know, Amity Island, they, those poor people, so much stress, Sheriff Brody, oh my goodness, like that is, you know, it almost comes, you're so immersed in it, the immersive nature of something that's just that watchable and that engrossing, that's what I think really truly makes a great movie, is that you just lose yourself in the story and the characters, um, and meanwhile you're watching a work of art, you know, you're, you're watching, you know, every frame every frame is, is, is generally looks like a painting and, you know, it doesn't necessarily always have to be that way, but, but it's a sort of like a flowing picture painting. Oh, there's almost movies that are too pretty that I think just like fall back on, fall back on brilliant cinematography, but then the story falls apart. And I'm, I'm as big a fan of Malick as anyone else, but I'll watch a Malick movie and I'm like, okay, great. This is very, very pretty. It's a lyric poem. It's beautiful. I just cannot stay awake and I just don't necessarily know what's happening or what's there being, what's being said, but I'm enjoying it, but it's not quite like a big Lebowski where I just, the whole time I'm just like, 
oh, what's the dude gotten himself into now? And oh, and then this is happening. And oh, and this, and then you, but you blink and you've laughed yourself silly, and the movie's over. You know, it feels like it's been twenty minutes and it's been two hours. So that's it. I guess it's just just the just how immersive a movie is and how watchable it is and how much it holds up after multiple viewings. Definitely I, something that kind of like brings you into like a different world, like the world that's that that film takes takes place in. Absolutely. Yeah, when you mentioned the Big Lebowski, a film I, I personally love, like this reminds me of the uh, just in general the Coen Brothers. Like, I feel like all of their films are just like random locations that the films has kind of decided to take place in. Like, um, look at Fargo, and it's this place um, randomly in Minnesota, and like this um, the Big Lebowski. It's just this guy who like gets himself into these situations. I like their films just because it's like, wait, this is what the film's about, but they're all like at least most of them are really good. So. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it, and it's sort of the movies become about the characters and the setting. The movie couldn't take any place any couldn't take place anywhere else. Yet, it seems like it almost it, it, the setting is a character. I mean, you 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 run down all of the great movies by those guys or any movies by those guys, right? You take Fargo, obviously that could be really anywhere, but it being but but the fact that it took takes place in Fargo specifically, just enhances the story you know uh the big lebowski taking place in los angeles you know it just really it, it just makes it just makes it that much more rich of a story like the the la just becomes such a character within that you know you look at you know inside lewin davis you know uh, new york city you know around the time of like you know the birth of like bob dylan the folk era you know like that that story could have taken place you know any number of places but like it had to the the zeitgeist of that of that era sort of like had to exist in order for that story to really to really land and then i get the most recent example is hail caesar i don't know if you've seen that i love that that movie it's not their best it's certainly not their worst it but i love it so much just being a hollywood you know an old-timey hollywood fan that as just a fan of movies that that particular film was so much fun to watch and it had to take place in that era of you know like of the golden age of hollywood um yeah i couldn't agree more i mean i'm a huge coen brothers fan definitely i haven't seen hail caesar yet but i've been meaning to um yeah you have to check it out it's fun yeah you definitely have it like right with that it's like um every one of their films like you kind of see like a lot of the idiosyncrasies and like characteristics of people in the area that it takes place in it's just funny they're just like you know doing their doing like things as they normally would but it's just slightly off and it's just hilarious like i (laughs) i can never quite figure out how they pull that off but it's it's every movie i've seen of theirs it's like you know, this is just funny, and, you know, I, I can't even figure out why. I mean, it's just, you know, these people from this area doing their thing, and they've captured exactly what's silly about what happens in really anyone's um, area. And it's, yeah, and even the, even the more serious ones, like one of my favorite movies of theirs is, the, is um, oh, I always get this one wrong, the, the, man, is the Man Who Wasn't There, um, you know, with Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Gandolfini, I believe. It's, it, but like, it's this black and white movie. It's very like it's a very serious movie for them, and it's the same thing. It's sort of like it's very setting specific. It's very, it's very them, but it's but it's it, it, it just it's a story that has to take place with those people in that time. You know, and, and all of their movies fall into a lot of you know fall into a lot of that category um, that I was saying, where it's really just like. You feel like these are just things that happened, you know. Uh, Raising Arizona, I feel like, you know, 
Nicholas Cage did steal a baby. That's a thing that happened. I remember it happening when I was a kid, you know, and he had to have that like motorcycle standoff with that scary dude at the end. Just a thing. This is a thing that actually happened. Um, but no, yeah, I, they're, there's definitely, I, they're American treasures, not, not to speak to, not to say too weighty of a thing, but they're just, they're just great. They're just great. And they're also, I'd worked with them very briefly and my friend works with them very closely and they're just, they're just good guys too, which is always a good thing, um, to know with, with any just real pure talent. I've been really lucky to work with a lot of people like that, that are just, you're worried, like, all right, oh, God, I'm such a big fan of you. I, don't be an asshole. Don't be, please, please just be cool. And they're seriously just, like, two of the coolest guys you're ever going to work with. That's very cool. Yeah. On the flip side to that question, do you have any films that you enjoy as kind of guilty pleasures, films that you know aren't really that great, but you enjoy them anyways? Oh, my goodness. I don't, you know what's funny is I stopped calling things guilty pleasures a while back just because they're just pleasure. You know, I'm, I'm old enough now to, to realize that whatever I like and have enjoyed and have been watching this whole time is really all just kind of collectively made me who I am as an artist. Um, but what would I technically consider that or what would I have considered that at one point? Oh, my goodness. I, one of my favorite – I just went to – last week in New York, I went to a Can't Hardly Wait trivia night. Uh, that movie, Can't Hardly Wait, is one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, like, I don't – I've seen it I, at least 100 times at this point. So I love that. I love, I love that movie, Bring It On. I love uh, – yeah, I mean, anybody who's seen Split, our Split knows that I'm just into just, like, rom-com. You know, like, I love When Harry Met Sally. I love – but also – there's been this weird sort of like Kevin Smith brushback the last few years. I'm undying allegiant to uh, Kevin Smith. You know, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy. Mallrats specifically, I think it's such a – and he shits on Mallrats all the time. I don't understand why. I think it's a hilarious movie. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. There's plenty of quote-unquote bad movies that I just absolutely love. Um I could go on and on. I mean, those are the ones that really stick out, but um, there's so many movies. What was one What was one that I made a whole group of friends watch the other day that I was just completely obsessed with? I thought it was so great, and we were all sitting around watching it, and it got done, and they were like, uh, really, man? What That's was what it? Oh, you know what it is? It's this Ryan Reynolds movie called The Voices. Um, it's on Hulu, and it's Ryan Reynolds is this guy who works in this factory you know, I think they like manufacturing like box of bathtubs or something, but you find out he talks to his cat and dog and, you know, I can't really spoil anything, but things go off the rails hard and quick in that movie. And I think it's, it's a very dark comedy. Um, some people may not consider it a comedy. It's, it's very dark, but I love that movie. Um, what else? Uh, I don't know, man. There's a there's a there's a lot of things that I sort of just like grew up watching that I think are terrific movies. I mean, it, you know what? I also grew up in an era where you would something would get in a certain HBO rotation, and I would see it a dozen times. And now I, as a grown up, will be like, "Yeah, it was that movie with this person and this thing happened?" And people just give you this blank stare. And I'm like, I've seen that at least two, three dozen times. The the prime example of that is there's um, there's this movie called It Takes Two that is not the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. It takes two. It's an entirely different movie about a guy, I think, in Texas who is about to get married, and he has to go pick up this, like, fancy knockoff Lamborghini at, like, a car dealership. And it's just this 
crazy everything that could possibly happen happens to this guy and i could almost quote that movie beginning to end and next to no one has seen it um but there's a bunch of different uh there's a bunch of different things i have tons of guilty pleasures but like i said i don't even consider them guilty pleasures anymore i'm just a guy who likes movies and bad movies are movies just the same as anything else and we if we didn't have bad movies how would we know what were good movies you know it's just like yeah like somebody had to have made it and they thought it was good so it's got to be something to it exactly exactly so what advice would you give to somebody who wants to create their own independent film you know the thing that i sort of lean on is what everyone else says and when this question comes up with all other hugely successful medium successful barely successful filmmakers you just have to kind of get out there and do it you have to Especially if you have a story that is so weird and just not 100% home run right off the bat. Say, for example, you wanted to make a romantic comedy that took place in the world of amateur bowling. For example, if you had a movie like that and you sort of wrote the script and went through and sort of brought it up to people and shopped it around, discussed it with a lot of people. And it becomes clear to you at some point that really the only way this is going to get done is if you buckle in and do it yourself, you just got to do it. Get out there raising money. Everyone tells you that raising money is the goal. Raising money is the hardest part. I don't like calling it hard. It's time consuming. It's annoying. It's not hard. Digging ditches is hard. Working in construction in a hundred degrees is hard. Tarring a roof is hard. Raising money independent filmmaking. I'm, I play make-believe for a living. I am very blessed to be doing exactly what I wanted to do when I made that decision to go into filmmaking. You know, even when I'm working on other people's projects, I count myself very, very fortunate. You know, I've worked my ass off, but I count myself very, very fortunate to do what I do. And, you know, people will tell you that raising money is hard. Again, I don't like to consider it hard. It is just time-consuming. It's annoying. It's just another puzzle to be figured out. Filmmaking, in a large part, is is, is just about problem-solving and, and you know piecing together puzzles uh, where you basically just... The puzzle pieces can be found anywhere. Um, so you're problem-solving, you're putting a puzzle together, and you just kind of have to figure out how to make that your own. Um, because that story, in a lot of ways, that there that that answer, in a lot of ways, is um, is sort of goes part and parcel with when people are are like, well, what what's your story? How did you make it? How did you climb up the ladder? How did you go from not being anything or not being connected? You know, I didn't have any family in this. I didn't have any sort of like I had no ends in the industry. Um, and people are like, what's your what's your story? What's your path? How did you do this? How how would you recommend we do this? No one has the same story. No one in filmmaking. No one even in TV, movies, any of it. No two people have the same sort of rise to wherever they are. So you just have to find your own way and make it happen knowing that you have no other option. That's really the, that's really the key to it. Like if you within yourself are like, well, I'll give this a shot. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And then, you know, if it's hard, maybe I'll just figure out something else. If that is even something that's potential within you, just stop. Don't waste your time. You literally have to have no other options. I, I'd say it all the time to people. I, like, oh, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? I, who knows? I have no other bankable skills. I have no, I have no other, I have no other really. And it's, I'm kind of goofing. Like, obviously, I could probably figure something out, but I just, I, I can't imagine myself doing anything but this. Um, so that's a very long way to answer a 
I would imagine a very short question at its base. Like you just, just get out there and do it. Just get out there and make content, you know, and don't just put crap together and put it out in the world do something you truly care about and do it well, but just get out there and do it. It's good advice. If you have a vision, you got to find a way to make it reality. Exactly. Precisely. So this next question is one that um, my co-host Corey and I kind of debate a lot. It's um, one we decided that we were going to ask everyone we interview, and that is, what is your opinion on hairless cats? <laughs> oh, man. Hairless cats? That is that is a very interesting question. Uh, I'm allergic to cats, so I'm pro-hairless cats, I guess, because really I'm allergic to the hair and the dander. But I like cats, but I can't be around them. My friend here in Orlando that we're visiting, actually, is uh, has a very cute cat that I couldn't be around very long because it had hair. If that cat didn't have hair, yeah, but then that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because maybe the cat wouldn't be cute if it didn't have hair. I don't know. It's a paradox of uh, It is. Animals. It's a bit of a paradox. It's a very it's a paradox. You're right. Now, Mr. what is it? The one from uh, Austin Powers, Mr. Bigglesworth. I'm very pro Mr. Bigglesworth. Because it's hilarious. Uh, I, I have no, I have no strong opinion one way or the other on hairless cats. I, it is a bit of a paradox. You're right. Yeah, Corey seems to really like them. Uh, he thinks they're really adorable. I, whenever I see them, I think, I just think it's like a sign that we've gone too far with meddling with the animals and making them into things that they, nature never intended. Like, um, I often compare it to in Jurassic Park when they're talking about. Um, you know, is it ethical to bring dinosaurs oh, back? Yeah. Um, it's like, well, that's yeah. that's hairless cats for me. Like, was it ethical? Yeah. Or were we wrong yeah. to do this? Yeah. Just because you should, dude. Never stop to ask yourself. Uh, oh no, what's what's the exact quote? You know, just because you can, you never stop and ask yourself if you should or something. Exactly. Oh my God, I can't. I used to have that quote memorized. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh no, the the what we've done with you know domesticating animals and all of that. I we have a little Italian greyhound, uh, which is you know the, just the miniature greyhounds, uh, our dog. And every time I look at her, and she just like is this this little? She's basically a cat dog. Um, every time I look at her, I'm like, and she does something stupid or cute. I'm just like, how are you? You came from a wolf somehow or another. You were descendant from a wolf, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what have we done? To your poor, your poor animal kind. Um, okay, I see you both. I see both your points. I'm not taking. I'm not taking either side on that. That's a good. Good place to be with that. Like, yeah, I think of like dachshunds and things like that. Like, one of my good friends has one. Whenever I see it, I'm like, how do you exist? Like, <laughs> why are? You, why do you exist like this? Like, yeah, like, I love me I mean, I'm happy. dog, but it's like, you, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy they exist. But yeah, there's I have a lot of questions. You're totally right. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so where can we follow you to learn more about Split and any other projects that you'll be working on in the future? Sure, man. Um, I So derbycityproductions.com is the easiest way to go. Uh, we have all kinds of buttons there. If you want to actually purchase Split or watch the trailer, uh, Derby City Productions, uh, like Louisville, the Derby City, and then Productions, plural, derbycityproductions.com. That's kind of a one-stop. You can also find the buttons for our Facebook and Twitter feeds there. Uh, but if if you just want to go to those directly, it's just facebook.com slash split the movie and twitter.com slash split the movie. Make sure you include the the in the middle, by the way. Otherwise, you'll get the Shyamalan movie, I believe. Um, so that's basically it. And then call us Ishmael is, uh, you know, that's 
coming soon. We're going to be submitting to festivals by the end of the year, so you can just check out Call Us Ishmael as uh, as time goes on. To uh, we have a Facebook page set up. I'm not sure of the exact URL for that, but you can probably just search Call Us Ishmael. Um, and that is about it, my friend. And yeah, we're splits available. If you have Amazon Prime, uh, you can watch that for free. You can stream it for free via Amazon Prime Video. Um, we're also available for rent and purchase on iTunes, Google Play, a lot of uh, video on demand services that through come through cable providers. I one of the coolest things, just because I don't even do this and I'm not a huge gamer, I think it's cool that you can buy our movie on an Xbox or a PlayStation, which is neat. The distributor told us that that's a thing that can happen which I think is cool. Um, but yeah, we're all over the place. And if you're, uh, if you're curious whether or not, um, if you have any trouble with that or you have any questions or just want to get in touch, you know, always feel free to tweet at us. We're just, like I said, at split the movie or, uh, or send us a message on Facebook. Uh, whatever, man, we're around. Sounds good. So there you have it. Be movie fans split a film about bowling created by Jamie Buckner and Derby City Productions. Not to be confused with the horror film by M. Night Shyamalan of the same name. Jamie, thank you for joining today. It's been a lot of fun having you on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. All right. Take care. Appreciate it. You too.